Welcome to Resilient Minds 365, where we discuss the resilient stories of entrepreneurs, professionals, and students with mental illnesses to encourage you to strive, thrive, and live in abundance. I'm your host, Cleone Crawford. another episode of Resilient Minds 365. I'm Cleone Crawford, your host. Today, guys, we have a special guest with us. Today, we have Sophia Jackson with us. Who is Sophia Jackson? Well, Sophia radiates creativity. She's passionate about highlighting the connection between mental well-being and financial well-being and advocates for people with, to be financially responsible independent and protected. Her main goal is to, excuse me, her main goal is to positively impact the lives of others, having them feel better and be better about connecting with her as she makes this exciting career path, her spiritual and financial livelihood. She feels deeply, deeply about people, especially BIPOC women Investing in ways to live their best lives is financially, spiritually, psychologically, and physically. Sophia believes in leading by example and showing practical ways that clients can benefit from multiple streams of income, diversification of income, and self-development. Sophia has written and and produced two albums, utilizing her vocal and lyrical prowess. She She has expanded her talent as a wordsmith and is now an author of two affirmation coloring books for adults, which helps her to set a tone of calm to introduce her concepts of financial literacy as a mental health concern. Having worked as a dynamic, highly skilled child and youth counselor for the past seven years has equipped her to distill heady financial terms as a licensed financial well-being coach. With that said, I now present to you (laughs) (laughs) Sophia Jackson. Sophia, how are you today? I'm doing well. That that was uh, that was a mouthful, right? (laughs) Girl, that was a mouthful. But it's all you. It's all you. Right. Thank you. (laughs) That's awesome. So, um, so the first question I'd like to ask is: Tell us a bit more about what you do. You do a lot of things. You're a musician, you are a mental health advocate, you are an author. Break it down. Tell us more about each segment of what you do and who you are. Okay. Well, um, to, to break it down, I want to tie it all together because it sounds like, you know, they're all um, not, that they're not connected when <clears throat> everything I do from music um, which connects to uh, songwriting, which connects to being an author, um, and as well as uh, the mental health piece and being a child and youth counselor that connects to mental health and mental well being, and being able to have those conversations with people. And then the my financial uh, my financial background, being a licensed financial professional, um, that is also tied in with mental health and mental wellness and um, through the through the lens of self-care, like it's also a self-care practice. And 
that's what one of the things that I do and, and like having these conversations with um, individuals like yourself, mm -hmm. women who are doing awesome things because it's just to highlight that existing connection between mental health, mental well-being, self-care, all of those things are in one silo and that it is connected to financial wellness and financial well-being because that is, again, a self-care practice. And to, to use that language, because it's not often described that way, you know, that financial wellness is also a self-care practice, but it makes sense once you, once you hear it, right? Right. And so um, that's how they're all tied in. I, I, at the end of the day, they're all tied in with, with wellness um, wanting to help others and help them to live their best lives and how to do that and, you know, coaching and turning on the light bulbs and helping people get past any, you know, um, trauma or um, any, uh, you know, uh, ideals, old, old ways of doing things, you know, thing just because it's the way you've always done something doesn't mean it's the best way to get something done. Um, so to get out of your own way. So I'm able to have those conversations and that's all under the umbrella of wellness, wellness, well-being, and um, that's how they're all connected. I, I can, to break it down, to break it down um, in each segment, I, do you, should I go that, that route? Because I really wanted to highlight the, the, the connectivity of it. Okay. No, oh. that, makes, that makes sense. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to ask a question about the, um, they say that mental health and money, that when people do not have access to money, it can actually affect one's mental health. Tell, can you, can you, can you expand on that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll use the, the story of a, some, somebody who is living, living on the margins, you know, um, maybe homeless or maybe on the brink of homelessness and not um, having to utilize the, the different things that are available through the system, maybe um, Ontario Works or um, soup kitchens or, you know, things of that nature, uh, shelters, stuff like that, you know, and some of the experiences that an individual will have in some of those spaces can be very, you know, daunting, traumatic, you know, depression, things like that can can happen because you know not just not having um that access you know not having that access and then having to utilize the system which can be you know another another uh trip on its own um so you know money doesn't solve all your problems but it definitely solves your money problems and when you're talking about things like, you know, just rents and food and your basic needs, you, you need finances, you need money, and you need to be able to manage your money in order to um, take care of those, those things. So it, it really comes down to basic needs when we're talking about financial, um, like when you're talking about finance and, and money and, and earning money and how to spend it and how to spend it responsibly and how to save as well. You know, somebody who's um, in a position where they feel like they need to, they need every dollar. How do you, um, 
you know, show somebody in, in a position like that, that they still need to save and put, put aside something. Mm-hmm. Even, even when you're at, because that's, that's how you start to build the habits and the, um, the muscle of saving and putting aside, even because, because that's, that's how you start to get yourself out of any, any situation or out of a hole. And it, it might sound daunting to think that, you know, well, this is, I only have, you know, maybe $5. It's like, well, yeah, take a dollar take 50 cents, take something and put it aside and just keep building, keep building, keep building. That's awesome. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So with that said, we are going to move to the mental health piece of this interview. So the first question I'd like to ask you, so what is your mental health diagnosis and when were you diagnosed? I would say, um, so my mental health diagnosis uh, would be um, around um, anxiety and stress and anxiety mm-hmm. and very circumstantial, you know, I've had um, where you, it ebbs and flows, right? Your ups and downs and having some situations that I've gone through, which were just pretty, um, that really played on my, uh, my, my resilience and my ability to, to, to process and to cope and stuff like that. So, um, as a short period in my, in my, in my life, but then also thinking about just through this, this time with the pandemic and everything like that. So it's stress, anxiety, and, um, that would be the diagnosis. Okay, cool. So, Tell us a bit more about your mental health story of resilience. What did you go through? What did you overcome? And how did you, um, I guess, become resilient despite it, your mental health challenge? Um, <clears throat> the situation that I went through was, uh, and I and I am I'm being very uh, transparent and vulnerable with this because it's not something that I've actually shared um, in on a platform, but I had a a relationship that was kind of, not kind of, narcissistic. Like I I had a a partner who was narcissistic and that made made my experience, it's a very, like a surreal experience, you know, it was something that at the time while I was going through it, I thought was amazing, like the best relationship that I had ever had. And we actually had gotten engaged and everything as well. But that um, quickly turned into, uh, you know, psychological abuse, a financial abuse. And I was uh, taken away from my family because I ended up in, in Miami. And it was, and it was almost, it made it, I uh, made to feel like it was my idea but just that's where the manipulation played, played in. Right. And I was in Miami away from everybody and not sharing details about what was happening because that would me be betraying this person that was my partner and who I was engaged to. And was, uh, you know, at thinking that I was going to marry at some point. So it was just me, me and him against the world. Right. And, um, and I wasn't sharing about anything that was happening. So that isolated me even more. Um, and then started playing on my, my own self-esteem and my own self-worth and my psyche, which is part of that process, right. Is breaking, breaking you down so that you're feeling like you're, um, 
only so so dependent on this one person and um i was uh so yeah that that's kind of uh the highlight of that it's it was the the, the manipulation uh the um name calling um there was there was this one situation i will highlight specifically because i you know i'm a i'm a pretty confident individual and because of my singing and performing and being able to be on stage and things like that and <clears throat> i was just like i needed to big myself up i was having a moment and i proclaimed that i am sophia you know i was with some friends and we i, I don't remember exactly the context but i was just like i am sophia you know and just like raw you know and this he he just he started laughing at me. Wow. And and mocking me. I am Sophia. I, like, and I was just like in front of other people. Yeah. Just to just to make me feel, you know, small. Put put me in check, right? To put me in check. Like, yeah, you're you're getting too big for your bridges. So let me just stomp that because that wouldn't um fare well with the manipulation and the, you know, keeping me under a thumb. And it's crazy because it's like, you know, seeing it from a different perspective when I was in it, you know, you're not looking at it from this lens, right, of um, having overcome. But in the moment, it was um, a very uh, diminishing and small, made me feel small and things like that. And so examples, that's like an example of things that happened um, quite frequently throughout uh the the months that we were together and i was on this roller coaster ride really mm -hmm. so then how did you um overcome i guess what did you have to do to i guess you ended that relationship um but what happened how did uh how did you rebuild that because the minute the minute manipulation kind of affects you for a while and then oh yeah <clears throat> um can actually affect your other relationships. So what yep. does it have to do to um, to bounce forward, I guess? I guess that's the word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't end the relationship, he did. Oh. It was a blessing, right? <laughs> that was a blessing. And, and uh, I strongly believe that he ended the relationship because I was um, demonstrating too much independence um, because while, I was in Miami, I was also performing and uh, creating a life for myself there that didn't include him. And um, I made some, I made a choice. Um, I made a choice to really dive into my, um, my music career at the time and put him, you know, put him on pause. I was just like, you know, I, I can't deal with you right now because I have a show. I can't deal with you right now because of, um, you know, I need to be at the songwriting circle and he didn't like that. So I think eventually that got to him and he ended it, but that was traumatic. Cause I was like, this was going to be my life partner and we were going to get married. And, and we, he did it over the phone. I was, I was in Miami and he was in Toronto because at that, then that was part of the manipulation too. He wasn't even in the same space in the same country as me. And uh, it still had this uh, hold. And um, once uh, 
once he ended things and, and I started processing that I was in Miami by myself, I had to find my way home. So this was part of the starting of to me, um, of me, um, you know, uh, getting out of or healing. And uh, I had to, I had to jump into survival mode and find my way home, ship stuff. Like I had accumulated clothing and just things. I had to ship it all back to Toronto. And then when I got back to Toronto and I was in my space, there was friendships and relationships that I had um, um, nurtured while I was there. And they were also part of the whole unveiling and revealing of this, you know, crazy relationship. And um, they threw me up a a going away party, which was really cool. and uh, I still have, you know, friendships to this day from that. And so that was that was part of it. The going away party, the figuring out how I was going to get back home, the shipping of my stuff, just the finality of that. Mm-hmm. And then once getting back here, that's when it kind of all just hit me. Like, what just happened? Like, what was that? Mm-hmm. And, I was beating up myself for allowing myself to be in a situation like that. I was blaming myself for, for being duped basically is how I describe it, you know, and, and I was taking responsibility. And so I went into some counseling. I was part of a, a woman's group for abused women uh, through Peel. Uh, so through some of the Peel services that I, I tapped into to just, really unpack and have those conversations about what had happened and to to recognize that it wasn't my fault and that I I needed to forgive myself, you know, all of that. And so that took several months and uh, if not years. Yeah. Because this was back in 2012, 20. Yeah. 2012. And so that was was the process. I I mean, I, I went and saw my family doctor. Um, because I, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was crying uncontrollably. I was, you know, like that stress, the anxiety, the, the shame, um, all of that was just like boom, hitting me. And so she uh, recommended that because we weren't sure if this was going to be a long-term effect, you know, when we're talking about the stress, the anxiety and, and, and potentially depression, was this a long-term effect or was this just, the residuals of dealing with the situation and the circumstances. So she um, referred me to a psychiatrist and I shared my story. And that's where um, the the diagnosis came in, which was um, situational. I don't know if that's the right term, but he just said, you know, you're just going to need time to process this. You know, you're fine. (laughs) You're fine. This is a normal response, but this is still, um, it's still serious enough that you're in this space right now, but you just need to continue to take care of yourself, to to speak, you know, have these conversations. I only saw him once. And then um, I just continued with the support groups and my family obviously was a uh, great support. And, um, and, and then I also ended up becoming a counselor myself, right? So because going to, um, going through that process, there was a lot of triggers and a lot of learning and a lot of um, language. Oh my gosh, that was, that's where I started getting the language to associate 
with what I had gone through because prior to getting my uh, child and youth counselor um, credentials, I didn't know what the language was. I really wasn't familiar with the term narcissistic. Uh, behavior and I wasn't familiar with the signs and the triggers and the the um, the cycle of abuse and things like that I I did not have the language at all so that was like so um, powerful that I went I went back to school and made a decision that I wanted to support young people and uh, make that a career path and it also obviously benefited me as well and therefore that kind of took me through a full like program, I guess, of, um, of healing. Okay. So we have the support groups, we have the psychiatrist, we have the family um, doctor, family doctor, we have um, friends and family, friends and family. So you did, it was a lot of different things that you had to do to overcome and bounce back from your lowest points. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, my next question for you is, what are three things you wish you had available when you were at your lowest point? Um, <clears throat> yeah. I don't remember what I what I shared. I think you said um, there's like a psychotherapist of color and the funds to pay for that. Oh. Yes, absolutely. Um, go ahead. Sorry. And I think you also mentioned um, the financial courses to not have to work. And the last one, better understanding of what you went through, closure and answers. Okay. Yes. Thank you for reminding me of that because that the um, the financial piece um, that is that is what kind of helped me to. One of the things that helped me to, to get into the financial industry is because there was um, part of the abuse was financial, right? And I ended up going into a lot of debt um, because I was I was living on Miami Beach, like one of the most expensive places, you know, on on uh, Ocean Drive. That's where I was, and um, and I was being told that I needed to, you know, support myself while I was there because he was going through some type of um, audit. Like there was, it was just a story, like an audit by the um, by the government. And but don't worry, we'll take care of everything after. So I went into debt, and I was in another country when I really shouldn't have been there. You know, like that whole traveling to the US and living and all of that stuff. And I ended up owing the government a whole bunch of money and I had to pay that back. So it was a lot of stuff, obviously, um, from a financial standpoint and um, a, uh, a, psycho a psychological. Mm -hmm. well, there was that. And then um, all of the um, the supports that I tapped into, they they weren't there weren't individuals that looked like me, you know, that had my experience, Caribbean, um, the, you know, black Canadian experience, uh, women of color, and I would have appreciated that. But then at that time, I hadn't gone through my CYC um, uh, training, coaching. So I didn't even have the presence of mind to think, to ask to have the, have that um, resource available to, to search for it. Mm -hmm. So 
um, so that just the knowledge of knowing to ask, right? And to, yeah, that's it. I, I'll leave that there. Just to have the understanding and the knowing to ask that we don't have to have, um, that you can make that, those requests when you're talking about the type of care that you want to receive. Right. And you and also that, mentioned about closure, getting answers. Yes. Yeah. Um, and on that. I, I had to figure out, I had to give myself closure. I would have been nice. It would have been nice if I could have gotten that from um, this individual. But of course, even if I had asked and had the opportunity to have the conversation, I would not have gotten the truth. I wouldn't have gotten what I needed to hear. It would have been more, probably more trauma and um, more lies and more manipulation. So I really had to reconcile with within myself to realize that I needed to give myself that closure and that part of that was recognizing I wasn't going to get it from anywhere else but myself and um, through the supports that I that I uh, luck well not luckily I well yeah luckily and luckily had available and that I also um, sought out. Wow okay amazing thank you very much for sharing. The next question I have for you is, um, so what words of hope would you give to our listeners? What would you tell them? I would say that, um, you know, there's, there's a, a time, time, time heals everything. I know that might sound kind of cliche, time heals all wounds, but it, it does. And to give yourself time and to take the time and make the time. <laughs> so you see the common theme here is time as well as um, not feeling ashamed, not feeling um, like you're alone and definitely reaching out to, you know, I listed so many different supports that were part of my healing journey. So um, those are available to, to all, maybe, maybe not all of them, but definitely you know, a few of them would be available to, available to most people. So to tap into those, recognize that, you know, your family doctor is a great way to, a great place to start um, and uh, having those referrals made, friends and family, and to talk, like to talk about it and to share. Uh, because if you hold it up inside, it's just going to eat away at you. So that's something I would uh, definitely recommend and share. And then finding ways of self-care, uh, self-care practices. That's like coloring is a self-care practice for me. That's another thing that connected me towards, um, that prompted me towards creating the coloring books is, is uh, coloring as a self-care practice, meditation, you know, finding ways that you can just relax and de-stress and um, release. Okay, amazing. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna switch topics a little bit, um, which is part of my one of my favorite topics, music therapy. Mm -hmm. um, basically, um, as you see behind me, there are some books that says the music of my life. Basically, I talk about my journey with music therapy and, um, and bipolar disorder. So my question to you is what type of music do you like? <laughs> <laughs> Neo soul. That's my, uh, that's my genre. That's what I, I like to sing and what I have always performed. And um, so Neo soul is like R&B, 
soul, jazz, fusion, right? That's like artists like Erica Badu, Lauren Hill, Jill Scott, Lettucey, um, Maxwell, uh, John Legends a little bit as well. He's a little bit more commercial, but, and these, and these artists are usually not, they're not crazy. They're not like Beyonce and Bieber, right? They, they have a niche where it's intentional lyrics and different styles of um, instrumentation and just stuff that has soul and vibe and just makes you like, you know, <laughs> yes, I get love into it. it. So yeah, Neo Soul. Okay. And if you were to think of a song that best describes your journey, what would it be and why? Did I list therapy? Let's see, what song did we? I think. Best, best thing you never had? Oh, yes. And, I used to, and therapy. And, and therapy. therapy. So yeah, best thing. I used, I played that song on repeat, man. Um, that's a Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the lyrics at this point, but I would, I, or else I'd sing it right now. Right. Uh, yeah. But that's the, the title of the song. I mean, the title of it uh, says it all, right? Best thing you never had. Because me, that I'm I'm the best thing. And never had. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, never. Didn't, didn't, it just didn't continue. Like it wasn't gonna continue. So not not the, the way that it could have or should have or would have would have been would have flourished or could have flourished because he wouldn't just wouldn't have allowed it to, right? So yeah, best thing he never had. Hey, I love it, love it, love it. So tell me, what does music mean to you? Um, why did you get into music? What, what pushed you to become a musician? And um, how does that help with, you, with um, how is it therapy for you? What does it do mm -hmm. for you? Well, um, music puts me into another, another frame of mind, like an alter, alter ego, you know, um, my, my music, I, I'm just more, it's freeing, you know, it's, uh, it's empowering, uh, commanding mm -hmm. and creative, you know, being able to share what I've created because I, you know, I performed a lot of the times I would perform my, my own music, my own material that I've written and produced with with other people. So that is that creation piece of from your mind to the world, uh, you know, to the to the uh, individuals. I just get so passionate. I just get so passionate about just the thought, just the the creation that everyone, every, everybody should be able to experience what it's like to think of something and then make it happen. Yes. And, and the intention and be intentional about it because, you know, we think of things and make it happen all the time. Like our day to day, you get up, you go to work. I have to go to work. You think about it. You're, you're there. But I mean like something outside of the, the regular, something outside of the norm that you um, conceptualize it and, and then, and then put it into existence. And it's an amazing feeling to be able to do that. So I wish that for everybody to yeah. be do that and um 
and that's so I, you know, I've been able to do that in many ways with 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 music and having music out there on my CDs and stuff like that, as well as the coloring books um, as well. So I've been um, I've been uh, lucky in that respect to to uh, be able to create and put things out there. Um, but it's, uh, you know, as you know, music is it's therapy, it's, it's sound, it's resonance, it's vibration. And, and, and then we're, we're sound resonant vibration. I don't know if people recognize that, that as beings that we, we, we are made up of all of these things. And so that's how, that's one of the reasons why music impacts us as being so much is because there's that, that connection of the sound waves and, and, um, and uh, the the vibrations and it just feels good, right? I used to be able to stand in front of like speakers and just like just be there and 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 feel the bass, you know, and and it goes through your whole body, right? So, so that's yeah, that's it. You <laughs> okay? No, that's powerful. Like music is so powerful. I just love what it can do for you and and how it makes you feel and um, the emotions that can come out of you. And mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just powerful, powerful, powerful force. Yeah, and it's a, it's a language as well. Exactly, you know, a language. Indicate. International language that anyone can speak. Right, yes. Yeah, love it. No, no barriers. Definitely. So my next question is, so how can we stay in touch with you? What are your social media handles? Oh, before we do that, mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit more about your coloring book. Why did you mm -hmm. create it? And uh, what's the inspiration behind it? Mm -hmm. Well, when I first created the, the first book, um, Soulful Color, coloring book for your inner child that's a long title but that's what it was I created that um on the backdrop of you know that the, the whole I refer to it as the the Miami experience and um having gone to back to uh, school to get my CYC child and youth care counselor credentials um I, I needed a way to calm my calm because that was stressful that was going back to school as an adult that's stressful I really wanted to get honors and I started coloring as a self-care practice to you know in between exams and studying and things like that I would color and I just realized that um, the coloring world the adult coloring world which was uh, really it's still really popular but it was at its peak in like 2000 eight ten to, to 12, I guess. And we started seeing these, these uh, really intricate adult coloring books um, where it was mandalas and futuristic landscapes or fantasy landscapes where, you know, you could be sitting on an image coloring for hours with your fine, your fine um, point markers. And that stressed me out. I was like, ah, I need to be able to sit down and finish an image in one sitting, like an hour or half an hour or something like that, because I don't want to feel like it's unfinished because there were so many other things in my life that were unfinished, you know, going to school, doing an exam and all that stuff. I was like, I can't have my relaxation practice to be unfinished. So I started coloring kids, coloring books, very big images 
And um, then I thought, you know, if I feel this way, there's got to be other individuals that feel this way that don't like the intricacy of adult coloring books. And so I ended up um, uh, coloring kids coloring books, but then I wanted to have images that reflected me as a woman of color or that had some diversity, some swag. And I went to go search for them and couldn't find them online or in bookstores and stuff like that. And so I decided, you know, I can, I can do this. I want to make my own coloring book. And so that's how the first coloring book was born. And then I ended up um, becoming a financial professional. So I, I graduated and I was working in the Peel School Board for um, several years uh, as a uh, youth counselor. And then I um, went to a, an event where they were talking about financial literacy and financial awareness and what does your financial life look like? And do you have a will? Do you have life insurance? And are you investing? Are you saving? Are you prepared for retirement? And all of these questions. And I was like, no, 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 no. What? How come I don't know these things? All these things. Why weren't they taught to me? Why weren't they in part of our curriculum at school, like money management, personal money management, and how to become financially independent? Like, that wasn't even a concept to me at the time. And so that kind of like, woo. And so when I created the second book, I wanted to focus on money mindset and legacy and liter uh, financial literacy and community and keeping our dollars circulating in our community and uh, in, in the black community. And so um, that's what the inspiration was for the second coloring book, which is Soulful Color Mindset Money Matters. So again, Coloring is a self-care practice. It, it calms stress, it calms anxiety. So there's that mental health piece. And then I, I really highlighted the connection between mental health and money, because when you're, you're activating the right and left side of your brain simultaneously, while you're reading the affirmation, you're doing something artistic at the same time, the sound of the coloring, you know, pencil crayons on a, on a piece of paper, there's, there's that 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 sound you know that that's also calming so when you connect all those things together it really makes for an experience that can um, program your your brain a little bit differently when it comes to your mental health being proactive about your mental health really and then also um, being proactive about your financial wellness and financial health cool very interesting so how can we stay in touch with you and what are your social media handles? How would we get, get one of your coloring books? Mm. Mm, you can get the coloring books at soulfulcolor.com. So soulfulcolor.com, soulfulcolor.ca. Uh, that'll take you to the portal to purchase both coloring books. And then also um, my Instagram handle is soulfulcolor, at soulfulcolor as well as um, at Sojay Soul. So I have a page for myself and then a page for the coloring book. So at Sojay Soul, at Soulful Color, soulfulcolor.com, soulfulcolor.ca. And um, there's also the, the Facebook as well. So really like I'm on all social media platforms. I'm not on TikTok though. I just, I, I couldn't get into <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> I couldn't get into TikTok, but you never know. You never know. You never but know. Definitely. Time on um, Instagram. So uh, those at at Soul and at Soulful Color 
are some of the best ways to get me. And then, um, of course, there's the links to the book. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, perfect. Well, I will be putting all that information in the show notes so that anyone who wants to um, get in touch with you, they should be able to contact, be able to contact you that way. Uh, okay, perfect. So, Sophia, thank you very much for this interview. It's been very enlightening and um, I really enjoyed, um, you know, learning what the connection between money and um, mental health and um and your transparency was definitely very refreshing so thank you very much so with that said to all you resilient minds out there until next time please subscribe to us on all our platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave a review for us on apple Podcasts. also join the the community of resilient minds and sign up for our monthly newsletter at clearlycrawford.com be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Music of My Life, on all Amazon marketplaces to get to know me better. And if you can think of one person that will receive value from today's show or connect with Sophia's testimonial, please share it with them. Feel free to take a screenshot of this week's episode of the podcast and tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself at OnlyCleone or ResilientMinds365 and today's guest at Soulful Color or SoulJSoul. Um, and remember mental health is not a death sentence despite your illness you can strive thrive and live a life of abundance until next time i'm cleone crawford and i'm signing off